Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, welcome to the Arsenal Way. And yes, we are back at you with your weekly podcast. I'm joined by Kaya Kainak from Football.London to delve into everything Arsenal. Firstly, Kaya, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you, Bailey. Yeah, I've had a good week from an Arsenal perspective. Um, uh, I mean, it's hard to say it's been a bad week. Nothing's really happened. Uh, we'll talk about some injuries, which are a bit more concerning later in the show. But yeah, it's 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 been good. I'm doing good. I'm very glad that football's back. I'm not a fan of the international break myself. I, I don't like the pauses in club football. And um, yeah, next month's going to be crazy. So nine games in a whole month. So bring it on. Yeah, it will be a crazy month. Just from a journalist's point of view, Kaya, how is it for a journalist during the international break so on the reports Arsenal? Where where do you source news? How do you get certain content in? Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's um, As journalists, we're, we're often complaining that we don't have enough time to dig into things. And then suddenly when we have loads of time, then you sort of like, oh, what do I dig into? So it's it's tough. You, you, you just sort of get on the phones, try and call around as many people as possible, try and see if there's anything going on. It's a good time for just sort of slightly more relaxed chats as well. Um, that- something that's yeah just any anything that's a bit more sort of chilled out that people might necessarily have not necessarily have time to talk about but also i mean from the arsenal perspective i've been saying there's nothing going on that's that's not totally true because we had the women's game last week which of course was fantastic uh the record-breaking women's game sold out uh well not sold out but sold fifty-three thousand tickets at the emirates stadium which was fantastic so been spending a lot of time covering that and a little bit of time doing some academy stuff as well so it's been nice to, to branch out away from the men's first team and, and go into other areas of the club as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And just keeping with the men's team and, and the international break, of course, of course, we had a few players who went away with their nations and some players who didn't, but the players who did go away with their nations, I want to focus on England first, okay, of course, Arsenal being an English team. And Bakari Saka had a, let's say, a one bad game and a one phenomenal game, but it's better that he had the, this phenomenal game in the, in the last fixture, so it leads him well for the, for the upcoming Arsenal fixtures, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think we saw with Bukayo Saka that he is now officially no longer a left-back or a left-wing-back. Not <laughs> yeah. that that really needed confirming, but Gareth Southgate played him there. I sympathise with why he did, because for some reason he didn't feel that Ben Chilwell was was um, eligible to be called up to the squad. He's been playing for Chelsea, and um, I found that a bit of a strange one, that he was omitted from the squad altogether and that there wasn't another left-back he could have given a chance to or maybe played Trippier at left-back or something. But he felt that playing Saka at left-wing-back was the, the way to go forward, and... Personally, I wasn't a fan of that decision. And I think we saw in the way that Saka plays, you don't want Saka tracking back and dealing with defensive runs in behind. And, you know, he struggled a little bit with that early on for the near silly game. And I don't think he was his best performance by his own admission. But to be fair, if you ask someone to play um, in a position where they've not played for nearly two years, just out of the blue, I, I think they're always going to struggle. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised it didn't really work out. And then we saw, you know, when you put Bukayo Saka in his rightful right-wing position, he suddenly starts playing a lot better. And it was interesting. He had that chance where he was through one-on-one with um, with Stegen, couldn't quite finish it. But aside from that, had a pretty perfect cameo. And um, just that ball progression from deep, getting them from the halfway line to the edge of the opposition box. And there's not that many players in the England team that do that. 
They sometimes do it through passing or the occasional dribble like Bellingham, but there's a lot of safe passes in the England team and you've got that. Having players who are good dribblers who can just break through lines when you haven't got the passes who can do it for you, that's key. And someone like a Bakaya Saka, he may well have earned himself a starting spot in the World Cup with that cameo because I don't think Phil Foden was great this international break and I think that's his main competition on the right side because Sterling and Kane are always going to start. So, yeah, I think Saka's he's, he's, he's done himself no harm, especially with that cameo against Germany where I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I completely agree with the ball-carrying uh, comment you made because we don't play with... Uh, England doesn't play with an attacking midfielder. So it's how do you get the ball from the midfield to, to the attack? And I think Bakai Saka can provide that on the right-hand side pretty perfectly. And as you said, he's he's an ideal candidate. I reckon he should be starting in the World Cup. But that would be interesting to see. Another player who I reckon should be in the team, personally, is Ben White. He wasn't there. And I think his decision, maybe, Southgate wasn't justified with the way Harry Maguire did play against Germany and Italy, and Conor Cody didn't even get on the pitch either. I thought Maguire was all right against Italy, against Germany, first half, mm. fine, second half. We saw the issues that's been plaguing him this whole time. And personally, I don't have that much of an issue with Maguire playing on the left side of a back three in principle. I think it can work. I think he's a decent ball progressor. I don't think he's the best England have by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's decent at bringing the ball out from the fence, and he did it quite well in the World Cup a few uh, few years ago, the one in Russia. And, you know, back then he was sort of the, the, the darling of the England fans. It seemed weird to think he was one of the most popular players and he was in that chant about England are in Russia. And, you know, I just think it's it's um, it's not really, it's not really worked out for him. And I think his confidence is on the floor and you get to the point where it's maybe cruel to be kind. You sort of, you have to take him out of the, the firing line. I, I personally think if you were going to do that, and everyone knew this was going to be an issue with Maguire going into this international break. Everyone knew his confidence was on the floor. Everyone knew that he had a rick in him. And if you're going to do, if you're going to go into a World Cup knowing that, and now you sort of, I think Southgate's sort of penned himself into a corner where he can't really drop Harry Maguire because it's so late in the day. So I think the issue now is sort of, if you were going to try someone else, you kind of had to do it now. And, you know, from an Arsenal perspective, we, of course, all think it should have been Ben White. And I'm, you know, someone who definitely still thinks that I think Ben White can do that job on the left side as well as he does it on the right because he's so good on the ball. He's quite, he's relatively two-footed, excellent passer, excellent dribbler. And I think as England try to get themselves further up the pitch, I think Ben White's the kind of player who can do that for them. You know, if you're not going to go for Ben White, though, give Mark Gahey a go, give Fikayo Samori a go, give one of those centre-backs you called up at least a couple of minutes. But... Southgate didn't do that. And I think we've, we've quite clearly seen what his team for the World Cup is going to be, bar, you know, a couple of questionable selections with the goalkeeper. We've talked about Ramsdale as well, maybe in a bit. But yeah, I think Ben White should have been in the squad. I think not picking him in the squad, particularly if you're going to play a back three, someone who can play literally anywhere across the back line. I think that's bizarre. And I, I think, you know, the hope now, England go into a tournament hoping that, that, that Harry Maguire won't, um, have a rick in him in a big game and that's not really a risk you want to have if you're targeting winning a tournament which is what England are doing realistically whereas with Ben White obviously you know you can't eliminate risk entirely but you can go in with a player who's filled with confidence playing for a team at the top of the Premier League and a team who are playing in a system that does you know despite not being a back three does share a lot of some tactical similarities with what Southgate's trying to do but that's his decision and you know I'm not the England manager wish I was but um, okay, that's 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 what he's gone for and I, I wouldn't have done it myself and we'll see what happens in Qatar yeah I think the same situation with Harry Maguire is all around the pitch to be honest Declan Rice for example if he pulls out with an injury who comes in to replace him maybe Calvin Phillips but he hasn't really played Harry Kane we're so reliant on Harry Kane even Tony or, or 
Tammy Abraham did not get a single minute. So if Harry Kane gets injured suddenly, even Tony and Tammy, Tammy Abraham are going to have to step up when they haven't really had any minutes or for, for the international side. So it's a risky call by Southgate, but it's interesting to see. But just going back to the Arsenal players for England, you mentioned the Aaron Ramsdale, Kaya. It's disappointing for him because, again, in the summer international break, of course, he started against Hungary. It's almost like Southgate has completely lost trust in him. And now Nick Pope has come to come to take the, the second, the number two shirt for, for England. Yeah, I wonder if he obviously started that 4 0 defeat that you mentioned there. And I wonder if that played against him in the mm. sense that Southgate was looking at that and thought, I wonder what the, the issues are from that game and blamed Ramsdale for it. I don't think he could have done a lot for the goals. I think of some of the counter attacking goals where his sweeping was maybe not as good as it has been sometimes for Arsenal, but I think it's harsh to blame him. And personally, I thought going into this international break, uh, Ramsdale was the obvious number two with Pope at number three and then Henderson sort of battling Pope for that third spot in the squad. And I thought we would see Ramsdale get one ninety minutes and then maybe mm. Pope and Henderson share a game or something like that. To play Pope for 180 minutes, to me, makes no sense whatsoever. I, I think you're basically hamstringing yourself in the sense that you have... Two decent goalkeepers, um, Ramsdale and Pickford. And, you know, I think as Arsenal fans, we, we'd all quite say, quite clearly say that we think Ramsdale's a better goalkeeper. But when it comes to an England shirt, Jordan Pickford is generally very good. He was outstanding in the Euros. You know, he saved some penalties in the in the final as well. And, you know, I, I would understand. I wouldn't like it, but I'd understand why Southgate would, would want to stick with him, assuming he's fully fit for the World Cup. But... Now you've got yourself in a position where you don't know what Pickford's fitness is going to be like, and you're now playing a goalkeeper whose last notable action in an England shirt was to basically chuck a ball into the net and give it to Kai Havertz to to equalise what would have been and ruin what would have been, you know, a pretty you know good win for England, especially in terms of momentum and all that kind of stuff. So, listen, it's it's what Southgate's gone for. He claims to want to be a, a manager who likes to see his team build from the back. If you're going to do that, then why pick the goalkeeper who played for Burnley last season? the team who played from the back the least, the team who had the ball in the air the most, if I'm not mistaken, the most long kicks from the back. And you go from the team who are top in the league in Arsenal, who have a goalkeeper who is English, who is young, and who is very good with his feet, and you choose to ignore him. I do wonder if, if you know, if this wasn't an Arsenal podcast, and this may be a national podcast, and maybe they'd be talking so sort of vehemently in favour of Ramsdale. I, I think, you know, I speak to friends who aren't Arsenal fans and they tell me they're not fully convinced by him. You know, I get that a little bit. But when it comes to Ramsdale v Pope, I think by not playing, weirdly, Ramsdale's kind of won that debate over this interna international break. But I'd have liked to have seen him given at least one start because um, I think not playing him at all was the wrong thing to do. And I think having him as the third choice goalkeeper going into the World Cup is ridiculous, personally. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Nick Pope was chosen ahead of Ramsdale due to his shot stopping and against Germany, he did not show that and that has completely debunked. I think the, the debate really and Ramsdale really should be the number two in my opinion. But looking at your face value, Kaya, it's, it was a, you could call it a bad international break for Ramsdale and Ben White, but in reality, it actually could be a blessing in disguise for both. Firstly, uh, Nick Pope made a mistake so Ramsdale can get back in. Of course, Harry Maguire made a mistake. John Stones pulled up in, injured. So that's motivation for Ben White and, and Ramsdale. And it's also a blessing in disguise for Arsenal because this could increase the hunger for the two players, couldn't it, going into the World Cup for the last month or so? It could, yeah. It could, for sure. I think Ben White was quite upset about um, not being in this World Cup squad and, you know, there's rumours about him being injured and that being a reason he was left out. And they didn't turn out to be true. And I do wonder if that was sort of maybe people from his camp trying to put some information out there to sort of 
style it out, I guess, the fact that he'd been left out of the England squad and to try and um, try and soften that blow and try and not make it seem like defenders like Connor Cody were ahead of him in the pecking order, which I think is bizarre. Uh, but yeah, I think if, if John Stones' his injury, <clears throat> pardon me, if John Stones' injury is going to keep him out of the World Cup, then surely you'd think Ben White is next in line to get in the squads. He's, he's shown a favouritism for Tyrone Mings, uh, who hasn't made the squads, but Mings isn't really playing for Villa, so surely Ben White would be next in line. But, um, you know, with Southgate, who knows? But yeah, I, I agree. There's 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 a bit of extra motivation for those Arsenal players, for sure. And every every player wants to go to the World Cup and play for their country. You know, growing up, that is a player's dream. No matter where you're from in the world, that is a dream. So if they get to do that and they get to travel to Qatar with the England squad, then fantastic. Absolutely. Okay, enough of international break talk, Kaya. Let's talk about Arsenal and the and the months ahead, especially the North London derby. But before we do that, I'm going to connect the England to the North London derby. And that's Emil Smith-Rowe now, of course. Today, as we're speaking on Thursday, it came out that Smith-Rowe is set to have surgery on his injury. That is not great news, is it, Kyle? No, it's, it's a shame for him. Uh, he's not really got going this season. He obviously has had those growing problems that kept him out for much of pre-season, that has kept him out for much of the start of this season. And I think the decision's just been taken instead of trying to soldier on and try and get through it. Arsenal have taken the decision, you know what, let's let's act now. Let's let's have the surgery and let's hopefully get him fully fit for the start of football when it comes back after the World Cup. Because he's going to be out to at least to the start of December. That's when he'll be aiming to come back upon me into training. And I think Arsenal are planning a warm weather training camp, um, which I we put our report on on the site, um, potentially in Dubai. So, you know, hopefully get him back warmed up in Dubai and then ready to go again by the time Boxing Day comes around and the Premier League restarts again. That would seem to make sense. You just don't know with a player like Mills before. He has had injury problems before. He had a hip injury that kept him out for a year. He's had some hamstring problems. He's had various muscle problems as his body sort of develops to the rigours of playing week in, week out. And it derailed his season last season. And it was this groin issue that sort of has been hampering him for quite a while. He still did quite well for a guy who was injured. You know, he's still coming off the bench and scoring goals and scoring when he started. But yeah, it's, it's a shame because he's such a talented player. And I think people are forgetting that. And I saw when I put out the, the news about Smith Rowe, and I saw a lot of people saying, you know, get rid. He's, you know, we, we need to move on. I don't buy that at all. And I think, you know, people need to just put the brakes on a bit with that criticism because Mill Smith Rowe is a supremely talented player. And just because Gabriel Martinelli is playing well at the minute, I don't think we should use that as a stick to, to beat Smith Rowe with because I, I think Smith Rowe has a lot to contribute to this Arsenal squad when he's fully fit. But there's no point having him around the place half fit. You'd rather have a fully fit Emil Smith Rowe or as close to a fully fit Emil Smith Rowe as possible. And then you go from there. For me, it doesn't make any sense to have him in this sort of will he won't he every single game and he's pushing himself and he's causing himself more problems. I mean, after that Man U game, he only played 20 minutes and then he pulled up in the cool down. That's not good. That shouldn't really be happening. So I think it's sensible to try and just get to the bottom of the issue, have the surgery hopefully fully recover and give him a bit of time to rest just give him a bit of time away from it all get time to build his confidence back up and then hopefully he'll be ready to come back and, and make an impact because he's a very good player and i'm hoping that people don't forget that yeah absolutely i think sometimes for arsenal fans the stardom of Bukai Saka sometimes puts too much pressure on emma smith i think a young player is expected to have setbacks gabriel marcelli himself the 1920 2021 season he was suffering with injuries constantly out of the team and now it's smith rowe's time to go through that i'm sure he'll be back and better and much stronger but just with smith rowe out kaya how do arsenal address the the left hand the left midfield position who who goes there who would be your preferred pick well, i mean it's, it's martinelli is the, the first yeah. choice for sure but there is definitely a question beyond that 
in terms of how they deal with it as a backup because Martinelli played that Europa League game against Zurich when Smith Rowe wasn't fit for that. He can't play every game. So who's going to play? Marquinhos is very talented and is the backup to Bukayo Saka. But, you know, having loaned out Nicola Pepe, the depth in those wing positions isn't great. You know, you, you, you take away a couple of players from that, you get a suspension to Jesus, you get an injury to someone else. And, you know, before you know it, you're, you're really struggling for, for depth in those positions. There's a few exciting young wingers and, you know, a few players in the 21s who might be thinking, you know, this is my chance, this is my chance to to make a step up. I guess Dinchenko can play there if you need and Fabio Vieira can play anywhere. So he could be an option. But, yeah, it's, it's an issue now, I think, that, that depth, especially because there's nine games in October and Martinelli can't play them all. So you're going to be looking at playing those first team players in Europa League games, which is not something anyone really wanted to see in an ideal world. But yeah, it becomes trickier now. Um, maybe you'll look at, maybe we'll see Arsenal, you know, change formation in the Europa League. Maybe they'll play some back fives that require less forwards just to get through and try and make the best of what they have available to them and chances to give Martinelli a rest because he has played every single game this season, Martinelli, when he's been, you know, he's been available for every single one. He's played every single one. And um, yeah, I think there is an issue. I was thinking it sort of as I was talking about Smith Rowe being out and saying it's great for him to rest, but for the rest of the squad, there, there's problems there because Arsenal do need him. Eddie, of course, can play on the wing, but yeah, they've loaned out the the depth they had in those weak positions. Of course, I've forgotten about Reese Nelson as well, who is back, yes. so he's an option. Um, and I guess maybe he'll play in some of those games. But um, whether Arsenal want to be relying on Reese Nelson if there's an injury to Martinelli, that's a, that's another question, and uh, we'll have to see what happens on that front. Yeah, bringing Reese Nelson into the Premier League will be a big risk for sure. I'm a bit worried about that, but hopefully Gabriel Martinelli can maintain his fitness because he will be a crucial piece going into the going into the World Cup break. But another crucial piece, Kayo, and I believe you reported yesterday that Arsenal are hopeful that Thomas Partey will be fit for the North London derby. Do you just want to give us an update on how he is and how and how likely it is he could be in the team for, for Saturday? Sure, yeah. Um the, the latest we've heard is that you know what what I put out yesterday was that um, Arsenal were sort of hopeful, like you say, that he'll be he'll be ready. He's being assessed at London Colney today and tomorrow ahead of the game. I'm sure Mikel Arteta will say something along the lines of, we'll have to wait and see in his press conference because that's what he does when it comes to injuries. But yeah, what I've heard is Arsenal are hopeful. They couldn't confirm it. You know, the people I was speaking to couldn't confirm it for certain. And you know, I, I'd like to think that if Partey is close to fitness, he would play in the North London derby because it's such an important game. But then again, we all remember that North London derby where he clearly wasn't fully fit, came back and had to limp off halfway through and Harry Kane went on and scored on the counter-attack. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see with Thomas Partey. I hope he's fully fit because I think Arsenal need a player like him at the base of their midfield. And, you know, I don't think there's that obvious uh, a backup, especially without any out injured. So uh, we'll see. I like Sammy in the six. I just, I think in these big games, you need someone with a bit more experience, a bit more defensive now. So maybe Sambi has a tendency to, to switch off in some moments. So just not be aware of where he is on the pitch, which I think will come. If you look at that sec the second goal Arsenal conceded against Man United when Sambi was playing and he plays a pass in the area of the pitch where, you know, I think if he's playing as an eight and he's got a six behind him, he can get away with it. But playing as sort of the last line of midfield defence, if you like. You can't really get away with it. So Arsenal will want Partey back. They, as I said, they're hopeful that he'll be back. And um, I think every Arsenal fan will be sharing that hope too. Absolutely. And Martin Odegaard, of course, played both games for Norway. That's a positive. He's almost confirmed, isn't he, for, for the North London derby. I think before the Brentford game, it would have been uh, worrying that he's not fit. But with Fabio Vieira on form, it's less of a burden if Odegaard wasn't playing. But it's still good to have the captain, of course, for the biggest derby of the season. 
put on. Yeah, Vieira really impressed everyone in that Brentford game. I thought it was very good. And that's the kind of sign you want Arsenal to make. Um, let's look at the number six position again, for example. It's clear that Arsenal do probably need to get some sort of backup in there. You don't want them to go out and get a backup who is definitely going to be second choice to Partey. You don't, which is, you know, my personally, I had some issues with the Douglas Louise transfer because I think that would have been an issue where, you know, he comes in, but it's a step down. Um, Fabio Vieira, it's not a step up. It's not really a step down. It's sort of a step sideways in the sense that he's a very different player to Martin Odegaard. A lot more direct, as I think you said last week when we were doing a pod on this. But um, I think him coming in and performing so well is, you know, testament to that transfer policy that Arsenal put in in the summer where they were clear where they wanted to strengthen and they did it pretty well. So, yeah, obviously it looks like Odegaard's going to be fit and that's a positive for Arsenal. But Fabio Vieira is a very good player and fingers crossed he'll be able to have an impact on those first ever North London derby as well. Absolutely. And Tommy Yasu, he got sent home from, from international duty. How is he? Is he is how is he doing? Is will he be available? Will he be fit for, for Spurs, do you reckon? Again, it's a hopeful he'll be fit, but um I, I don't think he'd start anyway, personally. I think Ben White would start the match. So yeah, they'll be hopeful to have him in the squads and you know, last season he, he in the home derby at least, he largely pocketed Hyung Min Son. So I think they'll be hoping that if he is fit and he does play, that he'll be able to do something similar. But I think it'll be Ben White starting at that game regardless. Yeah, I do agree. You mentioned Hu Ming Song. Let's move, let's transition over to, to Tottenham Kayan. They are also a team of injury issues. Now, Dejan Kulusevsky, he's reportedly injured. How was well, reportedly injured? Sorry, how much of a big miss would that be for Tottenham going into this match? Yeah, our colleague on the Spurs side of things, Ali Gold, was reporting mm. that today that Kulusevsky's a doubt for the uh, for the Spurs Arsenal game this Saturday. And yeah, I, I don't know in, in answer to your question how big a, a doubt he'd be. I think. Spurs have three very good finishers of attacks in Richardson, Son and Kane. But when it comes to that facilitation, they don't really have someone who's a backup, an obvious backup at least, to, to Dejan Kulisewski. He's kind of unique. And I know he's been dropped in a couple of games this season. It's been very harsh on him. But he's kind of unique in the sense that he's a real creator for Spurs. And they don't have that many creators in their team. If you look at their midfield, Bentancur, uh, Basuma, uh, Hoybier, they're a little bit, I guess functional let's say and they're not they're not necessarily the most creative and i don't think they're going to try and break down arsenal but to be fair i don't think that's the type of game that spurs are going to play i think they're going to play on the counter i think they're going to sit deep and let arsenal come onto them and that will you know create spaces in behind and then maybe they'll deal with that i think to be fair richarlison is the kind of player who would probably thrive in a derby i think he'd absolutely yeah. love it i think he'd love winding up the arsenal fans and we saw this in the, in the Merseyside derby and um, I think he'd absolutely love it. So maybe Conte will be tempted to go for him anyway, even if Kulisewski is fit. But for me, I think Kulisewski is a really underrated member of that Spurs attacking trident. I think he's a very good player. And I'd love for Arsenal to have a player like him in their squad because I think he's, he would be a fantastic addition. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens with him. Yeah, I can imagine. I can already imagine Vicarlis being public enemy number one for Arsenal fans. I just know he's cool. <laughs> Somehow I know the fans in the game, but it'll be interesting to see. I know you've got a piece coming out around 7pm, Kayo, on the Kulisewski and how it could impact Sinchenko and Tierney's uh, select, Arteta's, uh, selection sorry, for Arteta, uh, for uh, Sinchenko and Tierney. I know people who are watching this can, can view that piece by the time this video does come out. Just would that, Do you think that will impact um, Tierney or Sinchenko starting the game? Would you rather start Tierney if Kulisewski was playing, but Sinchenko if he, if he wasn't playing? I don't want to give away the whole piece, man. But um, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, yes, I, I think, well, to be honest, I think the fact that it's a home North London derby means that Arsenal are going to play the more attacking option anyway, which is, in my mind, means playing Alexander Zinchenko. 
because Arsenal are going to need to control the possession. They're going to try and strangle Spurs. They're going to try and keep the pressure on for the whole game. And the best way to do that is by having a player like Zinchenko who's so good on the ball, assuming he is obviously fit and available because he had a calf problem that kept him out of Ukraine's duty over the international break. Tierney's different, and Tierney will be available, by the way. He, he suffered a head injury, and that was precautionary why he was uh, brought home. Assuming, you know, he's not picked up anything fresh in Arsenal training, which seems to be taking sort of a lot of players out of things at the minute. It seems to be causing a lot of injuries in the training sessions. But, um, yeah, no, I think they offer very different things. And I think there's a convincing argument for both to be played in this game in the sense that if you want to try and defend yourself against the counter of Son, Kane, Kuliseski, Richardson, whoever plays, then having Tierney makes more sense because he's the more defensively solid left back. And if you want to sort of lock up the back door, if you like, Tierney makes more sense. But if you want to go out and attack and you want to cause Spurs problems, you want to be the more dominant team and you want to play the way you want to play, then Zinchenko is the pick. So I would be surprised if Tierney does start the game assuming Zinchenko's fit. So yeah, that's that's. I think that will. I don't think it will impact things too much, but I think it, it could. And I think you know Arsenal will. Mikel Arteta has already said several times that he he does sort of tweak his selection slightly. Or he does tweak what he's doing a little bit based on what the opposition is doing, as any manager really should. But at the same time, the most important thing for him is how his team plays. And I think Zinchenko offers him the best chance to play the way he wants to play the football. Yeah, I completely agree. So with the game being at Emirates, I think Arsenal are going to be on the front foot. So it gives us yeah. the, the, of course, the ability to start Zinchenko. So that will definitely be one to watch. Another battle to watch, Kaya, is Huming Song potentially first Ben White. Now, I know you mentioned Tomiyasu did pocket Huming Song. However, toward the last game, it was Son first, Rob Holding, and we all know the outcome. Rob Holding was sent off within the first half. What are the worries if playing another centre-back against Human Song? Will Conte look to target Son and Ben White and think, look, we can get the same success here as we did in the previous game? He can try. Uh, I think <laughs> if he's got any ideas about trying to target Ben White, he should probably look at the first game of the season where Wilfred Zaha tried to do the same thing and found it very difficult. I gave Ben White a poor rating that day and I regret it because I, I've watched the game back and I thought it was fantastic. He's proven that he's very good at dealing with 1v1 defenders. He's unusually for a centre-back not afraid to defend in those wide spaces and some will drift infield anyway. And assuming he does drift infield, then he's got William Saliba to deal with. And if he tries to switch sides, then he's got Gabriel to deal with. So this strength and depth that Arsenal have at the back, these physically imposing but also very quick and very technical centre-backs that Arsenal have, do mean that they're well equipped to, to deal with players like Son. You know, players like Kane are very difficult to defend against at the best of times just because they're so uh, clinical. And if you give them half a yard, they, they take those chances. Son is similar, but Son's game is a bit more big spaces, um, prefers to run into big spaces, prefers to take advantage of them that way. And if that's how they they um, choose to play, then Ben White, I'd, I'd like to think, who's quicker than anyone gives him credit for, I'd like to think that, he'll be well-placed to deal with that. And I think it will be a difficult game, but I don't think it's one that Ben White can't handle. And, you know, he's got that extra motivation that we were speaking about before after being left out of the England squad. Go deal with one of the best defenders and uh, best attackers sorry, in the Premier League. And then you've proved to yourself and you've proved hopefully to Gareth Southgate as well why you should be in that group for World Cup in Qatar. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> sorry, the, the mobility of Ben White definitely is always just crucial. Rob Holding lacks that and I don't think some will have the same success. So I'm definitely with you on that one. Let's talk about William Saliba, Kyle, because of course he's come against come up against um, Mitrovic uh, earlier in the season. But with Harry Kane, is this the first, let's say, 
well-known world household striker that Saliba is going to come up against. And this, is this a major test for him? If he does pass the test, what does this say for him and his, and his, and his future going forward? I mean, yeah, he, he dealt pretty well with Cristiano Ronaldo when he came on, but he's a fading yeah. force, I guess. Um, Rashford did get in behind him a couple of times. I don't think we'll see Kane doing that. So, yeah, this is, I guess, the, the, the highest profile striker he's dealt with. Probably, I mean, arguably the, the best centre forward in the world, depending on what your thoughts on Lewandowski and all those kind of guys are. Haaland, of course, as well. But Kane is a, a unique challenge and Saliba's risen to every challenge he's faced so far this season. I've got no reason to think that he wouldn't be able to rise to this next one as well. I just think he's so good. I really, really like William Saliba. I really hope Arsenal get that contract tied down soon. And yeah, he's a, he's a very impressive defender. He's got all the tools in his arsenal, no pun intended, to deal with um, a striker like Harry Kane. You know, Kane's great at movement. Saliba's great at reading the game. Kane's not the quickest in the world, Saliba is. Um, physically, Kane might try and back into him and bully him like we've seen him do with centre-backs in the past for Arsenal. I think Saliba can deal with that. So, yeah, you'd like to think Saliba will be able to take on Harry Kane, but Kane's got a record in the derbies that means you can't rule him out and gets a lot of penalties as well. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens indeed. And let's talk about Arsenal's Arsenal on the attack now because I think that would be the more regular theme in the game. And let's talk about Gabriel Jesus, Kyle, because it works in perfectly as we are just talking about Harry Kane. I think this is a good chance for Gabriel Jesus to really stamp himself as a top Premier League striker. I think people sometimes forget about Gabriel Jesus to talk about Harry Kane, uh, of course, Erling Haaland. I remember, this sticks with me, Phil Foden's interview when he said we didn't have a striker in the team, now we've got Erling Haaland. I think that was a, a disrespect to Gabriel Jesus, low-key, but with Gabriel Jesus, let's say he outscores Harry Kane, this can, he can really make a statement, can't he, as an Arsenal player and a top six striker, possibly. Yeah, he could. He could. I think he's he's established his credentials as a top six striker for sure in these first few games, and anyone who doesn't think he is after having watched him and the start of the season is, you know, looking at it with probably, you know, white-coloured, uh, white-tinted spectacles, spurs-tinted spectacles on this game. I think that's what's going on there. But, yeah, Gabriel Jesus is a fantastic player. And I think he has the skill set to cause the Spurs back line a lot of problems. If you look at uh, Eric Dyer and Ben Davis in particular, not the most mobile of defenders, don't particularly like being pressed, don't particularly like uh, strikers who buzz around and don't really stay in one position. That can cause Spurs a lot of problems. And Jesus is a player who turns up in big games. He has a great record for City against Liverpool and against Chelsea. And, you know, he, he played pretty well against United as well. I think he was very unlucky not to not to get a goal in that game. So, you know, yes, in answer to your question, I think this is the perfect time for him to step up and shine and prove that he is one of the, the best strikers in the Premier League. And he can, he can sort of mix it with the big boys, if you like, to use a, a real football cliche. But I think, yeah, Jesus, is, it's, it's, his, it's his time and I really hope he takes the opportunity and he doesn't strike me as a guy who's afraid of the big occasions. He strikes me as a guy who, who tends to thrive in them. Absolutely, yeah, I do agree with you. And just as with the game overall, if Arsenal do come out victorious, Kyle, how significant is it? Do we, when do we actually consider ourselves as title challengers? Is it when we beat Tottenham or is it when we beat Liverpool the week after? If, sorry. not worried when. you were going to say those words, <laughs> title challengers. I was worried you were going to say that. <laughs> I don't think Arsenal need to worry about title challenges or anything like that, especially at this day of the season where they've not even played 10 games. If they beat Liverpool, if they beat Spurs, superb. Everyone will be delighted and rightly so. And, you know, you can start to take this team seriously. But I don't think there's any point in putting the extra pressure of a title race on this Arsenal team. Their goal this season is to come in the top four and uh, their goal is to try and win the Europa League as well. Beyond that, I don't think they're too fussy. I think they're just happy to 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 
do as well as they can and finish as high as possible. But title isn't really in the in the remit. I think teams like City are just a bit too consistent for Arsenal. And to be fair, Arsenal have been very consistent all season. But when it comes down to it, we spoke about the lack of depth now that Smith Rowe's injured. You get a couple of injuries elsewhere, and this Arsenal team does start to struggle just a bit. They're just not quite on par with City when it comes to the squad depth, which is fine because I don't think anyone's saying they should be. Arsenal's priority right now is get back in the Champions League, whatever way you do it, if that's winning the Europa League or if it's coming in the top four, ideally both. The league title is something that's not really in their minds. I know they're top of the league, but they've had that fortunate start to the season in terms of fixture lists. And yeah, you know, I don't think it's worth putting that extra pressure on this young Arsenal team because they, they should just be enjoying themselves and they should be just enjoying the fact they're playing so well and trying to make carry on for as long as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's right not to skip a step. I think the next step is Champions League and then we can look to look to approach that because if you do skip a step, sometimes you do fall down. So let's focus. I think we should, I'm agreeing, I think we should focus on Champions League completely. The title talk is very early as well with seven games in, but the question has to be posed because a lot of people are talking about it. But hopefully Arsenal can keep making fans talk about that, talk about those title challenges that means Arsenal are on the right path and are still around the top of the league, but we shall see. But I'm going to take a negative twist and Arsenal lose on Saturday now we've already lost to Manchester United losing to Tottenham another top six team how detrimental could that be to Arsenal losing to Spurs yeah um it could be it could be but obviously losing any home derby is always is detrimental I I think you know it's it's maybe not answering your question directly but it's how they lose is quite important so if they lose dominate in the game and then lose to a couple of Spurs counter-attacks, which is what Spurs are capable of doing. We saw that in that. The game that I think is probably going to be most comparable to this one is when Spurs went to the Etihad last season and somehow won 3-2 despite City equalising in the 92nd minute, which was really upsetting. And if you look back on it now, those two points that Spurs were able to get, that was enough to get them into the top four. Arsenal only missed out on the top four by two points. So if Man City had done the decent thing and beaten Tottenham like they were supposed to, Arsenal would have been in the Champions League right now. But if about some maybes and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it would be bad in the sense that everyone would be a bit upset. But if Arsenal play the way they've been playing and they play well, I think most fans are now on board enough with the project that was going on at the Emirates to see that there is clear progression and that Arsenal will turn up against Liverpool and they'll play the same way and hopefully win that game as well. So, yeah, I, I think it would be potentially bad. And I think it would give fuel to all those critics who say, oh, Arsenal are flat-track bullies. They're not beating any big teams and all that kind of stuff. And, you know what, Arsenal would have to take that because that's, that would be the case. And, you know, that's undeniable. But at the same time, I do think beating Spurs and beating a team who, for some reason, you know, I've, I can say it's a bit more freely now. I'm on an Arsenal podcast. Uh, I've been on some, some other <laughs> podcasts today. But I, I don't fully get why teams, uh, why a lot of pundits are, I guess, assuming or taking it as red that um, Spurs are going to finish in the top four. I know they're a good side. I know they've got a decent amount of depth, but I've not seen much from them in these first few games to suggest that they're nailed on in a way that Arsenal aren't. So I think it'd be fantastic to to beat Spurs and prove against a team that every, every pundit seems to think will definitely finish inside the top four, that they're capable of um, achieving you know, uh, results against good sides. Yeah, I do agree with you. I can't think of a convincing Tottenham win. Maybe the Southampton game early yeah. in the season. Early in the season, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but except for that, I can't think of a game where I thought, okay, they, they've blown the opposite team away. Whereas for Arsenal, we have done that. You could yeah, argue the fixtures have been easier, but the Premier League is, is not Average an easy league. For Spurs, their fixtures have actually been lower than wow. Arsenal's. Um, 
based on when you know when they've played teams in the season so you know that's that's something to consider there you go that confirms it <laughs> let's see let's see Kaya. where arsenal win where do they win this game and potentially where could they lose the game where what what important part of the pitch yeah if they lose it it's going to be on the counter attack isn't it i think that's that's what spurs do that's how they cause us that's how they cause arsenal problems that's how they cause all big teams problems and the worst thing for Arsenal would be to go a goal down because that would play right into Spurs' hands, and you know they'd be they'd be they'd be forced to attack for the whole game and basically spend the whole game in Spurs' half. And Spurs want that because then they can run into the spaces that vacate. So for me, this game is all about the first goal. It's all about Arsenal hopefully getting in front and then Spurs having to come out and come onto them. And you know if they can do that and they can start fast and get a goal nice and early then Spurs will have to react. And I don't know if Spurs have the, the midfield capacity to be able to break Arsenal down. So, yeah, I think that first goal is where the game will be won and lost. I think it's going to be essential. Uh, I'm not saying that if Arsenal fall behind, it's a done deal. But I do think that Spurs are very good at defending leads, particularly in big games. And even when they do sort of get paid back, they seem to be able to go again. So it'll be, it'll be I think that will be um, the, the big sort of moment in the game. Whoever gets that first goal, and obviously we all hope it'll be Arsenal, but uh, I think that's going to be a big, big moment. Yeah, it will be. I think that I do agree. The first goal will be will be pivotal, and it has been like in in North London derbies. Usually, the first team to score usually do go on to get the better result. But we shall see. Kyle, I think Arsenal need a new North London derby hero because I think of the eighteen nineteen season. Aubameyang, of course, scored that wonder goal to make it three uh, two in two thousand nineteen twenty. Once again, Aubameyang equalised to make it two two. 2021, Aubameyang again scored at the Emirates to, to give Arsenal the lead and they've done that famous celebration. So who can come in and step in and be the new Arsenal hero in the North London derby at the Emirates? I think we'd all love for, we'd love a game like that first when you talked about where Arsenal oh, came yeah. from 2-1 down to win 4-2. I think that'd be superb if we get a game like that. I don't think Antonio Conte's sides really lend themselves to a game like that, but it'd be lovely if they could. Who will be the new hero? Ah, uh, Gabriel Jesus is the obvious choice, isn't it? It's hard to look too far beyond him because if he gets a couple of goals in the derby, he will be a god among the Arsenal. Jesus will become a god <laughs> among the Arsenal fans. There you go. There's your, your headline cool, for Sunday's paper. But I think he will, he will just go to another level. It'll be stratospheric in terms of the Arsenal fans who already love him, but they will love him even more. And yeah, it will be it'll be amazing if, if Jesus can can really prove himself on the big stage beyond that you're looking at obviously Martinelli and Saka but uh, yeah North London derby Saka's got a decent record in derbies actually scored last time plays pretty well in the um was probably I think man of the match in that North London derby that Arsenal lost in May yeah. last year and last season even so yeah Saka Martinelli Erdegaard all those kind of guys I'd love for granted Xhaka to do something in the derby that'd be amazing but yeah Gabriel Jesus is the, the standout for me Yes, Jesus will become a god indeed. Hopefully, that is that is the case. But before we do, Kaya, I'm going to before we do go, I'm going to uh, get your score prediction as we do in every podcast. How are you feeling for the North London derby? Optimistic? As we do in every podcast, I'm going to moan about the fact <laughs> I have to do this score prediction because I hate doing them. This is probably, I think, the hardest game I've had to call in a really long time because, as I said, that first goal is so important, and whoever gets it as you said, tends to go on to win the game. So if Arsenal go behind, then I think Spurs will unfortunately go on to win or at least get a draw. And if Arsenal go in front, I do think they'll hold on to win. So I'm going to err on the side of optimism. I'm going to say 2-1 to Arsenal because that's what I said when I was on other podcasts earlier. I'm going to try and be consistent. And uh, yeah, hopefully 
hopefully Arsenal can can do one over Spurs because I think this is, as we said already, the the, the kind of opportunity they need to to establish themselves and to get people to take them seriously. Not that that really matters inside the club and not that that really matters among the fan base because I think 95% of people have woken up to the fact that this Arsenal team is actually very good. But there's people outside the club who aren't on board with that and a 2-1 victory would really offer them the chance to do it. Yeah, I do agree. One, just like the Brentford game, Kai, I'm going to copy your score. I'm going to go over 2-1 as no, well. No, no, I no, no, no. I promise I have my own predictions. Guys. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you're, not, you're not nicking my score. You've got to go through your own one. I'm not, I'm not having this. This happened against Brentford. I'm not having it again. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm asking you first. I went first. I'd say 2-1. I'd say <laughs> but, OK, look, I'll give a clean sheet again to the boys, to the Gunners. I'll, give a, I'll make it a 2-0 win. I'll do that. I think Ramsdale... Really confident, everyone. I'm confident. Quote that. Quote that. Look, not in my decision, but I'm going to When Harry Kane gets his penalty, I'm going to send it your way, saying you jinxed us. The look, we will, Ramsdale will save the penalty. I have faith. There you no, go. There you go. That's the confidence we need. No, I'm joking. But yeah, I'll go for a 2 0. I'll go for a 2 0 Arsenal win, a Gabby Jesus goal, and a Bakari Saka goal as well. Let's let, let's go for that. Hopefully, we are right, Kai. I think three points is all that matters in the North London derby. So let's take that. Before we do end the show, do you just want to plug anything you do have coming out in the near future? Uh, yeah, you spoke already about that um, piece to do with the left back situation. So that's coming out later this evening. And then tomorrow, it's just press conference stuff, press conferences at one o'clock. Uh, we'll have live coverage of all the build up to that from 12. Obviously, all the live quotes as they come out from Mikel Arteta ahead of the game, where we'll be expecting some team news updates. We'll be expecting some, maybe even a little jive at Antonio Conte after some of the stuff he said last time. All that kind of stuff, I think, will be interesting. And uh, yeah, then predicted lineups, live coverage of the game from, I think we start at 8.30 on Saturday. So we're, we're building up a long way in advance. So yeah, be free, be free, feel free to be free as well, but feel free to... To join us as as yeah Bailey myself and Tom Canton who's gone his way back uh, he'll be making his special return for the North London derby and yeah feel free to join us all as we're giving you coverage of that which is going to be hopefully a fantastic weekend for Arsenal absolutely let's hope Tom has an extended honeymoon into the North London derby and Arsenal mm-hmm. are victorious I feel now top everything off but let's hope guys if you've enjoyed the podcast make sure to to leave a like and subscribe to the channel as we will be back for more next week and most importantly guys make sure you keep following us down the Arsenal way.